Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sack City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesiah Mukes. It is a beautiful September 28th morning here in the city. Episode 90 is about to kick off. We have a great, and I mean great, I can't stress that enough. It is a great power rankings episode here today aaron has put together his top 32 teams in the nfl after week three heading into week four and uh it's going to be a special list we've got morning headlines we've got injury reports we've got a whole lot of stuff today aaron how goes it good man i'm excited wednesday um, a little bit different week for me. We get Friday night football here in Georgia on a Wednesday and a Thursday um, because of some tropical weather that's coming from Mr. Mr. Ian himself, tropical storm hurricane Ian coming out here in Florida and Georgia. So we're, we get football tonight for, for my station and uh, obviously football tomorrow night in the NFL. And yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. To, I'm ready for everybody to come at me. Um, I get it. Nobody likes my power rankings, but I also get the fact that nobody ever wants to step up and say anything. It's just like, oh, you suck. You're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, tell me why. We don't do just uh, you tell me I suck and then, I, you know, I'm just going to take it. No, like you got to come in here and explain yourself. So get in the chat. Let me know what you're feeling. Why? And uh, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Because I always got something to back my stuff up, regardless of whether you agree with it or not. I'm not just going to be like, this is it. And that's just because I said so. Like, nah, I'm always going to have some reason to back it up. And uh, so we're waiting for that. Yeah, that's what that's what we're waiting for. We've, Titans fans have been very quiet, but uh, they got the win this week. So, so let's see if they 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 move up or how far they move up. Or hey, with your power rankings, you can win and still move down. Like that's that's the consistency that you have with your power rankings. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is. Move it's, up. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's about how what the what the product that is on the field. That's how you. Uh, judge your power rankings and moving forward and how it is, how it projects moving forward as well. Uh, let's get into some morning headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you 
to stop what you're doing and listen. Kicking things off with the Buffalo Bills making a signing uh, in the secondary. They are signing veteran cornerback Xavier Rhodes, uh, the former All-Pro heads to Buffalo to help uh, with a battered secondary. He reunites with head coach or defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, who he was under in Minnesota. Xavier Woods, the former Florida State product, if you remember, dating back in the day. He joins a Buffalo Bills defense that's already pretty good. Uh, he, he uh, He will help them out. Uh, now with Trey White, they got they got some dogs there, man. Now and Xavier Woods isn't going to have to be the guy, so it's going to be nice to see him there. Uh, in other news, the in other cornerback news, uh, the Bengals secondary has seemed to have a Eli Apple's back after the Tyree Kill uh, report uh, after the Tyree Kill video came out talking about how he owes Eli Apple one. He's going to get him. Uh, Jesse Bates, the safety for the Bengals, came out and said, we are going to defend our guy. They have his back, and it might not even matter because Eli Apple is Eli Apple. And Tyreek Hill is, well, he's very fast, he's very good, and he's better than Eli Apple. That's <laughs> well, all. That's all. It's not, it's, not that, it's not that hard to be better than Eli Apple. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, it, that's that's that that's that news. That's the Eli Applegate news. Uh, Clay Matthews, guys, this is this is a weird one. I I saw this one yesterday too. I was like, I thought he was already retired, <laughs> so did I. but he's not. There he wasn't uh, as of yesterday before he announced that he was officially retiring he hasn't played since 2019 the uh, linebacker who made his career in green bay dominating at the linebacker position he was a very very talented linebacker uh, in green bay all pro super bowl champion he's he was special uh in green bay he announces his retirement he has not played since 2019 though so if you forgot that he existed or if you forgot that he or didn't know that he wasn't retired now you know, and now you know he's retired. So uh, happy trails to Clay Matthews. Uh, one other note that I wanted to bring up here is uh, not necessarily a trade rumor, but uh, on the New York Giants front, the Giants were reportedly more than willing to take on a significant chunk of Kenny Galladay's contract just to get rid of him before the roster cut down. It didn't happen. And now he's been available for they, – they say that he has been available for a while. Uh, and even with Sterling Shepard, the Sterling Shepard news, which we're going to get into, he's still available. And they just want to get rid of him. No matter what the cost is, they want to get rid of him. So expect Kenny Galladay to be one of these trade deadline moves uh, for, for the New York Giants just to ship him off anywhere but New York with the Giants. That does it for our morning headlines. Let's get in. To our injury report. Oh, my bad. Uh, I can listen to that uh, little beat drop and that little intro all day long, by the way. Uh, it's wonderful. So let's get into our injury report for week four on this beautiful Wednesday. Uh, Sterling Shepard, as you just mentioned, tore an ACL, uh, confirmed yesterday. Uh, Monday Night Football is a tough injury because it wasn't even a – he was just running down the field, like running down the field, and it just it just snapped. So um, unfortunate news for a guy that's struggled with injuries over the past couple of seasons. This one might 
this one might be it. This one, this one might do him in as far as uh, his ability to come back. But who knows? He, he's a tough guy. So, uh, torn ACL for Sterling Shepard. Joe Mixon got in a full practice on Tuesday uh, with that ankle injury. So that's good news for Cincinnati going into Thursday night's game against Miami. Tough one there, but Joe Mixon looks to be okay. and looks to be a full go. Uh, Christian Benford, and this is one of the ones I wanted to mention because I think this got overlooked. He's a rookie who actually in Buffalo had been playing really, really well. And Vinny, I hate to do this to you, but he actually took uh, Kair Elam's starting job, who was a first round draft pick um, Elam got to play, but he was not on the field as much as Benford because Benford sh- showed out that much in preseason and in mini camps and stuff. So a uh, huge loss for them with the hand injury. Um, that That's a tough one. But now Kyrie Elam's going to have to step up. You see them at Xavier Rhodes. Um, it, it's going to be time for, for your first round draft pick to, to make a name for himself. So fun story there. Miles Garrett, uh, shoulder and biceps injury after the, the car accident that he was in, single car crash. Uh, doubtful for Sunday. So that's going to be obviously now no Miles Garrett, maybe no Jadavian Clowney. Um, could be an issue there. Harrison Butker is expected to make his return Sunday for the Chiefs. If you didn't know, the Chiefs cut their kicker. Um, they just got tired of missing extra points and missing field goals and maybe cost them a game against the Colts. Uh, so uh, they're hoping to get Butker back. Butker's one of the best kickers in football. Hopefully he's back on Sunday. The Chargers placed Jalen Guyton on IR with a knee injury. They have a lot of wide receiver depth, so I don't know how huge of a deal this is, but it is a wide receiver that they've used in the past, a deep ball threat. Um, and obviously with Keenan Allen already banged up, that could be some lingering effect there. Uh, Hunter Renfro is still in concussion protocol and is questionable for this week. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, who plays on Thursday, is also um, nursing ankle and back injuries. He's pushing the play, but is still questionable. And still the mysterious no concussion symptoms or protocols at all for Tua Tagovailoa. Maybe it was a back injury. Maybe he was shaking his head because his back, I don't know. I'm not trying to say anybody's lying or jumping to clues. It's weird, but nothing's come of it as of yet. We're on a Wednesday. So Jameis Winston was not seen at practice uh, because of his back injury and they are in London this week. So um, there's got to be some concerns there. Obviously he has the fractures in the back, but he was not at practice. Uh, maybe this is just about pain management and we'll, we'll see how this goes. Michael Thomas on that same team foot injury is not seen as serious. So maybe expect Michael Thomas back in the lineup this week. Um, and obviously they're going to need him in order for that offense to get going. Mika Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in football, is in concussion protocol and is questionable for Sunday. And lo and behold, Julio Jones, knee injury, does expect to play on Sunday uh, in that big game between Tampa and Kansas City rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. It's our beautiful, wonderful injury report. I truly, I truly don't believe that Julio Jones is playing on Sunday. Why? Like I he's don't, prob- I don't. He's believe- listed as probable now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I believe it. To be honest, like I just, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I don't, just some, just something with Julio Jones that just did, that gets me. But that, that I don't, I don't ever feel comfortable about saying he's in until he's actually in. Well, I didn't say he was in. I said he's likely to play. No, I, 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 I know. I just, I just, I don't care about any injury reports during the week about Julio Jones until he's on the field and playing. I will. I that's that's what that's that's how I will. I'll judge that. But uh, that was a heavy hitting injury report. Uh, a little bit of morning headlines as well. It is now time, though, Aaron, to to make our money. It's now time to to do what 
do what needs to be done here. Uh, it is now time for our weekly power rankings. And if you're new to the show, this is where we break down all 32 teams and tell you where they land and fall on our power rankings on the graphics. You will see where these teams were listed last week and how far they jumped uh, and how far they fall. They have fallen. I will say we have a record breaking faller in this power rankings record breaking. Although we're only through uh, four, three weeks of NFL football, we have a record-breaking faller here. Let's start things off, though, with 32 through 25 here. The Chicago Bears stay in their number 32 spot, uh, followed up by a falling Seattle Seahawks, a falling Houston Texans. I'd assume those two fall because of the Atlanta Falcons jumping up to 29. Got Carolina over there at 25, moving up three spots. And the Commanders at 27. I know I kind of jumped around all over this list. I did not go in any type of order here. But the team I want to talk about uh, first is the Washington Commanders falling four spots all the way back from 23 to 27. Aaron, what was your thought process and what have you seen from the Washington Commanders that makes you say this team is not that good? This team is the 27th best team in the NFL. Yeah, they look a lot like last year. They're not they're not good defensively. Um, they're not good offensively. And yeah, they got the win against Jacksonville week one, but they almost lost that game too. And if it wasn't for maybe some bad defense at the end by Tyson Campbell or not turning around looking for the ball, maybe Jacksonville wins that game as well. And I think that's really what we're talking about here. The Washington team that's inconsistent. They don't get good quarterback play. They haven't been able to run the football. And it, it's it's a lack of... I don't want to say it's a lack of talent because you look at the talent and we talked about this roster. The roster is talented, but how, how far is that talent going to carry you when you have a quarterback that turns the football over the inability to run the football, the inability to stop anybody from running the football. And now you come into a situation where this week you go against Dallas, who with a backup quarterback is going to run the football. You can't protect Carson Wentz. The Dallas Cowboys lead the league in sacks right now. Um, It's just another bad matchup and you're, in jeopardy they're struggling and i don't see that changing anytime soon because that quarterback is still the quarterback that scheme is still a scheme and uh the washington commanders are in trouble and i won't say i told you so but eh, i told this you. is uh, this is one of the things like you talk about or we talk about the commanders before and we said it in the offseason like this move for carson wentz although they would didn't give up like that much this is them believing that they are not that far off from being playoff contenders and that far off from being uh, a contender in this NFC East. And it seems like right now that they are battling the New York giants for the worst team in the NFC East. And the giants are two and one and the giants haven't looked terrible. Oh, the giants have looked much better than Washington. And it was yeah. a lateral move. That was more the problem. <clears throat> you go from a Taylor Heineke who let's be honest, maybe the superior arm talent is Carson Wentz, but from the product on the field, Carson Wentz looks a lot like Taylor Heineke ability to escape and move around in the pocket, but does some things that you shouldn't do. I don't know right now that that the Washington commanders are any different with Carson Wentz than they would have been with Taylor Heineke. I think they'd be in the exact same position, except maybe a fan base that liked Taylor Heineke a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I agree. uh, I think, I think that they would have been better off with Taylor Heineke, not just because of the fact that, like the like the, the in terms of the play, Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke. 
Car- like that's that is that, that is it. Carson Wentz is better is a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke. But with everything else that's around surrounding this team and surrounding Carson Wentz and the quarterback position, you feel like I like I feel like it would almost be better for Carson Wentz or for Taylor Heineke to be uh, the starting quarterback. But he's not well, because of expectations. It, that's why it's Carson Wentz comes with expectations. Tyler Taylor Heineke doesn't. Like he doesn't have that, that, oh, if Taylor Heineke sucks, it's like, ah, well, we tried. It was Taylor Heineke. He wasn't drafted. He was, you know, it was, there's no expectations with him. Carson Wentz still carries these expectations that he cannot live up to. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. And that, uh, that is part of the reason why they have fallen down from number, they, they were last week number 23, uh, and now they have fallen to number 27. We also see the Jets fall here, the Steelers fall here. And the Panthers rise up three spots. That's your 25 through 32. Let's move into your 17 through 24. And uh, the Lions move up two spots to 17. And there it is. There it is. The biggest faller on this list. The record-breaking falling of the New Orleans Saints going from the top 10 to number 18. And there's no need to talk about any other team on this list right now in this group. Until we talk about the New Orleans Saints falling 10 spots, Aaron, this is a huge drop. There had to be massive signs from you that says the New Orleans Saints are no longer a top 10 team and fallen way out of the half, not even in the in the half of the league, in the upper half of the league. They are below average at this point. Drop 10 spots. Take us through your thought process. Yeah, well, I think this started week one when you saw them get down big to Atlanta and you, you question it, but they were on the road. It's a division game. So you're like, oh, okay, I gave them a pass. Then you watch the following week when they can't move the ball against Tampa and they can't score and they end up losing that game. Jameis is turning the football over and you go, okay, that's Tampa division game, but I'm going to give them another pass. Like I'm going to move them down a little bit because they, they, you know, they lost, but I'm going to give them a pass. And then this week you go to Carolina and I get it. You start the season with three division games and that's tough. Not many people can do that. And I do believe the saints are a talented football team, but you don't get a pass when you continue to play like crap. Um, Everybody's dealing with something. And and I I know I keep pointing out the Dallas Cowboys and their backup quarterback, but nobody gives them an excuse. Nobody gives them say, Oh, well, if they would have lost these last two games, they would have been like, well, same old Dallas Cowboys. Like nobody would have been like, well, they're without Dak and they deserve a pass. No, Uh, The Chargers are without players, and I haven't been easy on them. I don't care what the Saints are going through, whether it's an identity crisis or um, maybe some players are missing or whatever it is. They haven't looked good enough to deserve to be in that top half of the football league. It's not just that they're losing these football games. It's the way they're losing. They can't score. They can't move the ball. They don't know what they want to do on offense. And to me, that is very, very telling because the teams that are good in this league or that are having success – or that look the part, have an identity. And the Saints do not right now. And if you do not have an identity, you cannot be a top football team in this league. So for me, it's just a, a, a Mike, like a, a compounding week-by-week week thing. Um, I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt for two weeks. And then they did this to Carolina, who you see where I have them ranked even after the win. Uh, there's just no way I could keep them in that upper echelon or top half of the, the league. I had to move on from from that because I have new information. This new information is that this team isn't as good as I thought they were at this point in the season. Can they get back there? Sure. Cause I do think they have talent, but um, there's now coaching questions. What, what is, what is, um, 
Dennis Allen and, and uh, Pete Carmichael and those guys doing that differently than what Sean Payton was doing, having success with basically the same team. And so that's uh, that's a question mark, uh, huge, huge question marks for the New Orleans Saints right now. There's no way they could get into my top half of this uh, power rankings. And that's why they dropped so far. Yeah, I, I this is a team and you talked about the the new information that we've learned about this team. We to any Saints fans watching this that are upset about the this this ranking here. We had the New Orleans Saints. We both had the New Orleans Saints very high 11 double digit wins this year. I think for both of us, I think we had them both at least at 11 wins. Uh, and now they're falling because of what we are seeing uh, on the field. It's not, it's not good. They have been very, they've been terrible. Uh, after that week one, where they played a good second half against the Atlanta Falcons, they've averaged 12 total points per game, eight turnovers. They're Owen two. like, this is not, this is not good. And, and I don't, I should have made the graphic and I didn't, but you look at Jameis Winston and his performance through three weeks, other than that, for, that fourth quarter, it was one quarter, that fourth quarter against the Atlanta Falcons. He's been terrible. 61% completion percentage, his six, six and a half yards per attempt, two intercept, uh, two touchdowns to five t- interceptions. Like, turning the ball over. I'm going to tell you, not, like, I don't know that, and I, I, obviously the player has to take blame, but this is why coaching is important in the NFL. Look at the difference between Sean Payton coaching Jameis Winston and you have 18 touchdowns to three interceptions or whatever through six, seven games. And then one year later, same player, same player. The injury has nothing to do with it. He's not running around. He's not Lamar Jackson out there. Same player, but now throwing interceptions again. There is something to be said about what a coach can get out of a player. And Sean Payton got the best out of Jameis Winston. And right now, uh, Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael are not getting the best out of Jameis Winston. And that's the problem. They need to fix that. They need to realize what their team is built on, the foundation it's built on, and how to make him successful. We can blame Jameis all we want because he's the one playing the position. But the coach still has to put you in the position to be accountable for those turnovers and those mistakes. And we saw it with Brett Favre back in the day with Mike Holmgren. Brett Favre was a turnover machine. The year they won the Super Bowl, they he wasn't, and they won. Because Mike Holmgren said, if you keep throwing interceptions, you're going to be on the bench. I don't care how great you are. And that's the difference right now with the New Orleans Saints. Is J- uh, Jameis Winston's turning the football over, and they don't have an identity on offense. Yeah. Yeah, and their best player, who we consider their best player on offense, hasn't been getting involved either uh, in Alvin Kamara. His touches per game, 14 and a half touches per game, that's down from his from the rest of his career, uh, as well as his yards from scrimmage is at 60, just a little bit below 60, as opposed to over 100 yards per scrimmage through uh, what his career is normally at. Like, we're not, they're not getting Alvin Kamara involved. And this team as a whole, not just through Jameis Winston, this team as a whole, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has to get something figured out. And until then, they will remain at 18 or maybe lower if it continues to be bad uh, on our power rankings. So the rest here, you got the Titans. Hey, Titans fans. Hey, hey, hey. Aaron's helping you here. You guys uh, move up four spots to 23 after beating the Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, hey, Patriot fans, Patriot fans, you moved up a spot after, uh, well, wait, wait, they played Baltimore this past week, right? Yeah. They, they kept it close against Baltimore is what I should yeah, be saying. They, they played kept decent, it- decently to, uh, offensively, which was what their question mark was. I, I knew they wouldn't stop Baltimore because Baltimore is Baltimore. 
but offensively they played a lot better, but they only get to move up one because now you lose Mac Jones. Not that I know I'm a big Mac Jones hater, but still your starting quarterback. And anytime you lose your starting quarterback, uh, who's been working all off season with your guys, that's going to be an adjustment. Um, and, and then the talent's still lacking there for me. So they, but they get the benefit of, you know, watching them play against Baltimore, play them tough. And I was impressed by that. So they got to move up a spot. I just don't find it as impressive as some of those other teams from a personnel standpoint. All right. All right. Well, that's 17 through 24. Let's move on. You're just to... going to wait, 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 wait. Are you, we just, we're just going to gloss over it. What? We're just going to gloss over the Detroit lions at 17. Hey, if you want to, that's hey, a huge deal. Go with it. Go like, with where it. Where did the Detroit lions start this year? I, I see. I don't, I don't track what I do that week before I try to come into it with a fresh perspective. Believe I'm not looking to make guys move up or move down. Um, but the Detroit lions, where they started, to where they're at now, and I get it, they lost. I know they lost a tough game, and they should have won that game against Minnesota. But I'm so proud of the Detroit Lions. I'm disappointed they lost. They've gone up 11 spots in, in a matter of three weeks, and they look like one of the tougher outs in the NFL. And I think that's why I put them here at 17. When I watch the Cardinals play, sometimes they look great because Kyler Murray does great things. But other times I'm like, do they want to play football? Like, I never question that with the Detroit Lions. I never question what I'm seeing. I know that every player on that field, every coach is doing everything in their power to win that football game. And I'm not saying these other NFL players are not, but it's a visual thing. You can see it. You can see how hard the Detroit Lions are, are coming for whatever team they're playing against. And that's a direct reflection on Dan Campbell and that front office for putting together a team from nothing, trading your franchise quarterback to a, to eventually the Super Bowl champs and watching them win the Super Bowl and still trusting in that process and saying that you're going to do what you have to do to, to get to where you want to get to. And I, I think that's important. Uh, so shout out to Dan Campbell and the Lions. I do not want to talk about power rankings uh, anytime they move up without talking about them. And, you know, it's it's great. 17, two spots. Maybe next week they go up another two spots. And Vincent is on mute or something. I, or not back. Or no, I'm not on mute. I just, my computer is literally like crashing right now. Like I can't even do, I can't do anything. So I'm trying, like it's it's going so slow. It's like, well, just, it's, well, I, I'm trying I, to Can I give you a happening. hint? Can I give you a hint? Probably, probably because I'm doing too much. Yes, Sorry. just stop. We We have the graphics already made. Just, just, just stop. Get out of everything and just run the damn show. That's that's probably. I, I know what you're doing. You're over here trying to do a thousand things at once. That's that's probably what I should be doing. All right. Uh, so yeah, seventeen. The Lions. They've moved up. They've moved up quite a lot since the since the beginning of the season. Now we move on to nine through sixteen. And last week we talked about nine through sixteen being the toughest to rank before I unveil these rankings. Was it the same this week where it was tough to place these teams that we're about to unveil? Extremely difficult. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care who comes at me. I don't care if you want to come at me. You tell me what the right order is and I will debunk it. I don't, I'm sure everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody's going to say what the right order should be. It shouldn't be my order. But if you give me an alternate order, I don't care what order you put them in. I will have a valid reason why that person is wrong because you want to know the answer there is no right answer nobody knows what these teams are from 9 to 16 and i guarantee that yeah i no i don't you sent me the message last night and i said i don't envy you i i i was i don't i don't envy you i don't envy what you have to do uh here to make this show survive for power rankings but it's not easy making power rankings and everyone's not everyone is going to like it that's that's for damn sure um but 
without let's let's see it let's nine through 16 here number 16 is the jacksonville jaguars i don't hate that one uh number 15 the minnesota vikings 14 the cleveland browns our biggest mover of the day moving up six spots to number 14 the cowboys with cooper rush getting at number 13 i can see why you would say people would not like this list because there's some there's three teams here at least three teams starting this thing off that i i have no problem with i don't have any problem with but i can see people questioning a cooper rush led cowboys team at 13 but i'm sure you could back that up and i'll let you back it up in just a second the Chargers at 12, the Niners stay the same. They are just the Niners. Jimmy G and the Niners are just, well, the Niners at 11. Moving up to 10 is the Broncos. And number nine, the Bengals move into the top 10 for the first time since week one. And the preseason power rankings, they move up four spots to number nine. We're going to go in chronological order here, though. Uh, not chronological order. Is that, I don't know if that's the right word here. Um, but we're going to go... Yeah, we're going to go in numerical order here from back to front, starting with the Jaguars at 16. What have you seen from the Jags that makes you say this team is a top half of the league team? Well, first, I want to say you're welcome. I want to say you're welcome to all the Jacksonville Jaguars fans, the Jacksonville Jaguars organization, because I am going to take credit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because I am the one. I am the one really since last year. Even before, when Urban Meyer was in there ruining the organization, I said I liked where this thing was going. People wanted to, and again, I'm not talking to you, Vinny, here, because I know you've never questioned Trevor Lawrence. But there were questions about Trevor Lawrence. And I've always said, shut up, stop. He's a franchise talent, one of the best generational arms we've seen. Let him grow, let him get, you know, get his feet under. And we're starting to see why. Um, I'm the one. That said, this year, I would not be surprised if Jacksonville won a lot more games than we were giving them credit for, including myself. I didn't pick them to win these games, but I said, I see why they can. This was me who said the biggest difference of any team in the NFL this year would be the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. And I know it's only three weeks, but I'm going to gloat for three weeks because so far we've seen them shut out an Indianapolis Colts team who we had winning the division. We've seen them hold the Chargers team who everybody all their mamas all their daddies all these fans said that the chargers would be in the super bowl or super bowl contenders and they held them to 10 points with their starting quarterback it wasn't chase daniel it was justin herbert and so with the ability of that defense that i said was going to be super talented and they drafted a bunch of dogs with that defense and now you add in doug peterson who i said was a great hire and i'm not a huge doug peterson guy because he coached the eagles to a super bowl i hate that but i said you brought in a super bowl resume you brought in a guy that knows how to win knows how to develop a quarterback and that's exactly what you need for a franchise like the jacksonville jaguars go get some defensive guy to run that defense and draft a bunch of young talented defensive players and say go get the quarterback go make plays i'm going to concentrate on developing my quarterback to be a franchise quarterback this is what the Chicago Bears have not done with Justin Fields. This is what the um, what even what New England has not done with Mac Jones. They haven't brought in an offensive guy to develop him. So we look at what Jacksonville's done, and they've done everything right since the Urban Meyer move. Every single move that the Jacksonville Jaguars have made that's been significant 
has been the right move. The draft picks, the, the free agent signings, and people wanted to laugh at Christian Kirk getting whatever million. Who's laughing now? Like Christian Kirk can play, and he might not be a Jamar Chase, or he might not be a Justin Jefferson, but he's making an impact on that team. Zay Jones, everybody's like, three years, 39 million. Like, what is that? Well, you know who else made three years and 39 million? Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And what is he doing in Kansas City with arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely nothing. So I don't want to hear it anymore. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not the same Jaguars. They are making strides to move forward. Shout out to them. Shout out to me for calling it like I see it. I that that's that's fine with me. I have no problem with with where you have them. I think the development of Trevor Lawrence is the biggest thing here. Uh, can can I mention? Season, I, I uh, did that whole soliloquy, and I didn't even mention James Robinson and Travis Etienne, two of the better weapons. You know, two of the bigger yeah, no. weapons for that team. And and I I think you didn't even you didn't even touch on. Trevor Lawrence enough this year from his de- in in terms of a development standpoint like I, I know you brought up the fact that all these other teams are not doing what the Jaguars are doing in terms of building around your franchise quarterback and giving him the best chance to win but there are some sometimes where a team can try and do whatever they like like the like the Browns with Baker Mayfield you can do and try and surround your quarterback with as many weapons as you want the quarterback just can't get it and Trevor Lawrence is not doing that. He is making the most of what this team is giving around him. Last year, we saw him be one of the most turnover quarterbacks in the league, led the league in interceptions, tied with Matthew Stafford uh, last season. And you would you partially wondered, you were like, okay, is this him being a rookie or is he not the guy? Like, I I obviously did not wonder that. This is that's just absurd to think. But there are those questions out there, like you said. This year, six touchdowns, one interception. Like, you look well, at guys to be like fair, there's the precedence that was set. You brought up Baker Mayfield is because that was very much like Baker Mayfield. Year one was dynamic, came out here. Sorry, I got froze. Um, yeah. But Baker Mayfield, the year everything they built around him, he actually had his best year. And people started to think, oh, maybe this is it. The difference was he couldn't get past that. That's where Trevor Lawrence is going to be two years from now because there is going to come a point where your young quarterback, you can no longer surround him with all the talent because you can't pay everybody. You'll have to pay Trevor Lawrence. So the first four to five years, that's what Doug Peterson's trying to get. Okay, build him. Build everything around him, make him successful, make him grow and see and learn and experience. And then by the time he is out on his own, per se, I mean, obviously they'll still have talent, but not in the in the ways they do now, he'll be ready for that. And he'll already have taken that step. And you won't be in a situation where Baker Mayfield's at, where you, now you can't put everything around him and now you're struggling. So I think you, you make a good point. His development is everything for the Jaguars. Because if they miss on Trevor, it, it starts over again. It doesn't matter how much yeah. talent you have around him. You miss, you got to start over again. Yeah. Well, uh, what I'm, what I'm just saying, what I'm saying though, is like, we see these quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford that are just, just turn it like, that's just what they do. They're still good quarterbacks. They're still very good quarterbacks, but turning the ball over is just what they do. It's just, it's just in there, how they, how they play. Trevor Lawrence has made the adjustment from last year to this year to lessen the turnovers. So the Jaguars rightfully so being in at number 16 and shout out that defense. We told, we said that they'd be dogs. They have a bunch of dogs. It's happening. It's uh, it's it's fun to see uh, the the next team I want to talk about, though, 
is the Cleveland Browns. They are they are our biggest riser in your power rankings here, uh, going from number twenty to number fourteen after beating the after beating the Pittsburgh Steelers twenty nine to I believe it was twenty nine sixteen in in that game. They were able to get a late game touchdown from their defense uh, to seal the deal, and um, they. Jacoby Brissett leading this team. We talked about how they needed to, uh, to basically have this team under control and be at 500 for when they get to Sean Watson back. And while well, they're doing better than 500 right now um, and falling at number 14 on the power rankings. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing, number one, it, it, I said I was disappointed in them last week because they, they should be two. It should have been two and zero. Oh. They should be three and zero. Oh. Like this could be a three and zero oh team with Jacoby Brissett under center and you just have Deshaun Watson just waiting just waiting and this is one of the more more talented teams in football from a personnel standpoint when you look at all facets of the game they don't do it pretty but they do have a ton of talent and this is why Baker Mayfield wasn't it and if you're watching Bailey I don't know why I said if but do you see what they're doing in Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett and you have the number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield the number one overall pick and they have to get rid of him because he couldn't do what Jacoby Brissett is doing. Like that's all you have to do to win football games is be Jacoby Brissett. And you're the number one pick. You're supposed to be more than that. This team should have been a Super Bowl team with Baker Mayfield. That's why he didn't deserve to stay in, in Cleveland. That's why he doesn't deserve any kind of big paycheck. And that's why they didn't give him one because they recognize that they recognize the talent that they have on this roster. And Baker Mayfield wasn't going to get the job done. I'm scared for the NFL. If Deshaun Watson comes back and it's Deshaun Watson. Because I will say this, I am willing to put money on the line that more times than not, the Super Bowl winner over the next seven to eight years will be the Cleveland Browns, the Kansas City Chiefs, or the Buffalo Bills. Every, and, the Jackson, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Every single year. I'm dead serious about this. If Deshaun Watson comes back and is Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs will be representing the Super Bowl every year and probably winning the Super Bowl every year. Hey, the, those three quarterbacks, uh, and I know I'm being real disrespectful to Lamar Jackson right now, but there is something to be said about those three teams with, with those guys at the helm. And maybe I should throw Lamar in there because I do think Lamar can get it done, but they do it in a different style. Um, this Cleveland's football team is really good. And right yeah. now you look at their schedule, they go with the Falcons. I'm sorry, they can beat the Falcons with Jacoby Brissett. They go play the Chargers. Maybe you say Chargers are going to get right. Maybe that's an L. But then you get the Patriots with a backup quarterback before you get into a stretch that is going to define this team. And this is why I said they needed to get off to a hot start this year because they play the Ravens at Baltimore, the Bengals at Miami, at Buffalo, and then Tampa. Those five games in the middle, it's going to define this football team if they can get one or two of them. They don't have to win all those games. If they're four and one, five and two, whatever, by the time the week seven comes along, um, or four and one, four, uh, <laughs> if they're five and two by the time week seven comes along, or even four and three, and they go through a stretch where they lose four straight, I think they'll be okay. Because all this team has to do is get in the playoffs. This team doesn't have to worry about winning a division. This team gets in the playoffs, and Deshaun Watson is right. They are going to be a dangerous team. Uh, yeah. And, and he, some people like say that 
I mean, this offense is is this offense runs through the the rushing attack from Nick Chubb. Uh, arguably, the the, uh, the best running back in the NFL right now. Um, with with how good he has been, but Jacoby Brissett is also doing it through like not like blowing people away through the air. But he's also getting these wide receivers involved, especially Amari Cooper, and you throw in David Njoku and the, and and their performances uh, as of late. It's not just like a dink and dunk, like okay, like give it to ball, give the ball to Nick Chubb, and then we'll go from there. Like Amari Cooper's getting involved, David Njoku's getting involved. Like, well, it's easy when you run the football the way they do. That's the thing yeah. I tried to say with Baker Mayfield. Like, why is it hard to find a wide open receiver? Because you run play, you run the ball so think, many times, the defense let, comes up. Let me ask you this question: Do you think what we're seeing right now with the Browns maybe like couldn't have been a thing with Baker Mayfield because of? And I hate to do this Baker talk, but I'm like really done with Baker talk. But like with the Browns having Baker, the high investment quarterback that Baker Mayfield was you want to put it in his hands more because that but they didn't, but, but they that, that, didn't put it in his hands more. They ran the same offense. They literally were one of the heaviest run teams in football and said, fair. Baker Mayfield run play action and find the open receiver. And I don't want to hear the guys weren't open. We saw multiple tapes of Jarvis and, and Odell Beckham being wide open and Baker can't hit them. Or if they're not open, Baker holding onto the ball too long, taking sacks or throwing errant throws because he's trying to fit something in there. It was his style of play. He wanted to be that guy when all they were asking him to do was his job, throw to the open guy, just play action, throw to the guy. It's the timing route, throw it. If it's not there, throw it away. Don't, and he couldn't do it. He still can't do it. Look what he's doing in Carolina. And I know they're not good and they're not great, but he's made DJ Moore a worse player than DJ Moore is actually. Like he does not get him the football. How is Christian McCaffrey worse with Baker Mayfield than with PJ Walker? How come Christian McCaffrey has no catches? Because Baker Mayfield has this mindset of, I can make every play big. I don't need to check down. Instead of checking down to McCaffrey, letting him run for 23 yards or 25 yards and move on. He is making skill players worse. And I I hate to say that, but there is a clear delineation between what those players have been doing with other bad quarterbacks, just other guys that aren't good. And now what they're doing with Baker Mayfield, He, he is not He's not it. I tried. I tried to say that he had a chance to be better in somewhere else. He's not it. He's not it. And I'm going to continue to, to die on that hill because that hill is an uphill battle. But, but the, the real thing here is the Browns are a very, very good football team and even a very good football team with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. And they're about to get when he did play Deshaun Watson was arguably the one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So they're doing this stuff with Jacoby Brissett. They, they're falling in at 14 with Jacoby Brissett. Imagine what happens when Deshaun Watson comes in. Uh, it is good news for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 13 is the Dallas Cowboys, though, Aaron. Uh, we're going to go one. I don't mean to go one by one by one here, uh, but this is the bulk of our conversations with the power rankings. This is the hardest to, to rank, so there's yeah. got to be a lot of conversation here. The Cowboys of the Cooper Rush, they defeated the New York Giants on Monday Night Football this past week. They move up from 16 to 13. They were at, I believe, 20 when Cooper Rush took over. Um, so this is like they're they're just climbing and climbing. What are you seeing from the Cowboys that makes you say this team uh, is legit? Well, it's the defense. I mean, when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, that defense from last year, the biggest turn from two years ago 
was that defense and their defense is elite. I don't, you know, can, you can say what you want to say. They have arguably the best pass rush in football and everybody was so excited. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, Max probably and Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. And this Cowboys front is arguably the top defense in or top pass rush in the NFL. They lead the league in sacks right now. Um, they were able to beat the AFC champs in Cincinnati two weeks ago. And then they come back and defeat an undefeated Giants team, despite how we feel about those Giants. And I kind of thought they were frauds offensively, but they were still undefeated. Um, and that's without Dak Prescott. You, you, I don't care what the, the talk is, the Cooper Rush story. That's great. He's not Dak. Like, he's not. You can see it. Um, he's staying within himself, which is great. Don't force, throw to open guys, do what you're supposed to do. That's what a backup quarterback is supposed to do. But when a backup quarterback is asked to start to finish a season and lead a team, that's when you start getting into trouble. We've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick have great moments in this league, and yet he was still a career backup. I'm not trying to denigrate Cooper Rush, but he's not an NFL star like Jerry Jones is trying to sell him as so he can sell some more tickets. Uh, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. And so I anticipate them being a better football team. Um, the only thing that I worry about with Dallas is that Dak comes back and they try to change what they're doing. And this is my problem with these coaches. They outsmart themselves. You're having success running the football with Zeke and Tony Pollard. Just continue to do that and tell Dak, hey, you're going to get 30 opportunities a game to throw the football. Find the open guys and make your plays at 30 plays. Like that's, that's what you get. I don't need you throwing the ball 40, 45 times. So they saw the way Cooper Rush was throwing the football, got excited. It's third and one to ice the game really against the Giants. And they run that stupid play action instead of just giving the ball to Zeke, who I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says about Zeke. If I need one yard and I give Zeke the ball, he's probably going to get it because his big ass just falls forward and it's hard to stop him for one yard. So, I mean, I don't love that they get enamored with trying to outsmart themselves. And I think Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore both have a tendency to do that. Yeah, I think I I think when they get to that to that point with Dak Prescott, it's like a, almost like a lack of creativity in in the offense of saying, okay, like we're just gonna try and have Dak do these things and and that and that's it. But like with with Cooper Russian, they have to get creative to find ways to make to, to make plays. And I mean, we saw it on a third and thirteen play where they just instead of like the third and thirteen, you'd think pass the ball like that's an obvious passing down. They gave it to Zeke. They picked up a big gain, and, and that's just what happens. If Dak's in the game, they throw that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, like, that's what I, – I definitely see what you're saying. And I, we can't talk about the Cowboys without doing this. And what you're looking at on that defensive line is something. Finger-licking good special. That's what I'm talking about. All five, they just be coming rushing and just getting it a quarterback. It's finger-licking good special, and we can get somewhere with that. I'm going to tell you this, too. I have been hurting because I have been having to tell the truth about how great Philadelphia looks. And they do look great. And I said there is no chance. But with that finger licking, one, 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 pass rush, we do got a chance. We'll get a chance to get the feeling because we got that finger licking pass rush that is so good, and a pass rush can stop everything. Now I, 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 I had to do it. Hey, Michael, listen, I am not a big fan of, of biased takes, and I, Michael is probably one of them, arguably, 
on the opposite end of speed, Stephen A. Smith, as far as bias when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a huge fan of Michael Irvin's takes on the Dallas Cowboys because they're always great. They're always going to win the Super Bowl. But I love his passion for the team. But he has some of the greatest takes when it comes to just being entertaining. And that was amazing. And he's right. He's right. The pass rush that people don't want to talk about is really, really good. And it's not just Micah Parsons. He had, he plays a huge role because he opens it up for a lot. But um, they, they have a really, really good pass rush. And it's schemed up really, really well. And Dan Quinn has done an amazing job. An amazing job with that defense uh, after having a failed time as a head coach. Yeah, one of the best one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, easily one of the best what defensive the, coordinators. What what the heck is that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to give it the time of day. I think I think we just got caught for copyright. <laughs> I don't even know what that that that's. I don't even know what that is. That's a lot. That's that's a lot. At least it's not someone trying to sell their body for for money here on our yeah, uh, on true. our show. Um, all right, so that is the that's where we stand on the Cowboys, Jags, Browns. Our top uh, our nine through sixteen here uh, is is as is. Real quick before we get into our top eight, like obviously top eight's huge. Like that's going to be big. Who was the toughest team to rank in this group? This is the toughest area. Who was the toughest team to rank? Uh, it was the nine and 10. Um, it was the Broncos and the uh, Bengals. I'll be honest. The Broncos moved up because the Chargers had to move down. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Broncos are finding ways to win games despite what they look like. Ugly or not, winning is still important. Um, and they just beat the Niners. And I thought in that game, I'm like, okay, if, 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 I, if I measure those teams – defensively they're about equal i'm still taking russell wilson over jimmy garoppolo any day yeah, of the week so um I, I put them slightly above the niners but i do like the niners there and then and then the Bengals, just because it was such an ugly jets you know what i mean like it was the jets i didn't want to really move them that high but then i'm like eh, they still it, to me they're still a little bit more powerful than denver and obviously i couldn't put the chargers up there so i just stuck cincinnati as that nine team I, again if somebody was like, nope, it should have been the Niners, the Chargers, the Broncos, then since, okay, like, I'm not going to argue with you. You might have valid reasons. I, I could I could rearrange those and also defend that as well. Um, this is just what my instinct is telling me who those who the teams are and as far as um, who's best in that order. Yeah, no, that's fair. I get it. I, I, I It's... I'm fine with it. I don't have any problems with your nine through six. It's so hard because it, everybody below Jacksonville, like... Tell me a team that should hop up into that conversation. You can't put none of those guys. As above any of those. So I think I so think nine no, through 16 is just a big jumbled mess. I think you're nine. I think the Colts are the only team that I, I could see an argument from this week just because they beat the Chiefs. But that's that, that I'm not I'm not arguing with that. But I think that if there was any team that had a good argument for being in the top 16 after what happened in week three, it is the Colts because of what they did to the Kansas City Chiefs. Not what they did to the Kansas City Chiefs, but just the fact that they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but you moved them up plenty. You, you moved them up plenty, and I'm fine yeah. with it. Uh, let's get into your top eight. One through eight. No changes at the top with one and two. It's still the Buffalo Bills. It's still the Kansas City Chiefs. Even after the Bills tell us the Miami Dolphins, uh, they still remain at number one. But the Dolphins do move up to number three. They jump the Baltimore Ravens. They are now a top three team in the league. What a world. Uh, and then 
the Packers at five, the Eagles at six, the Bucks at seven, and the Rams get back into the top eight, uh, falling into that eighth spot. Aaron, what was take me through your Dolphins Ravens dilemma? Because last night you sent me a rankings, and I'm going to pull the curtain back. You sent me a rankings with Miami four and Baltimore three. And then I sent you the graphic and you said, I got to change Miami. I can't, I can't do it. Take me through what was going through your mind with figuring out how to put Miami at three and Baltimore at four. Yeah, honestly, it just didn't look right. Um, I felt like I was being disrespectful to Miami and I've been one that's been an advocate for Miami. Matter of fact, I need to go back and clip some of the Miami takes that I had in the off season. Cause um, they would have been great. But when you look at the schedule Miami's played, um, it's really hard not to just like to justify them being below three. They've beaten a Buffalo team now who we all look like world beaters. Like they, people were talking about them going undefeated. That's just silly, but they were a really good football team. They come back down 21 against a Baltimore Ravens team who I had as the number three team in the NFL and a Super Bowl contender going into the year. And then they beat a division rival in Belichick in New England week one, which we know I don't care how much I laugh at New England, still a division game, still Bill Belichick. That's a tough game to win. New England always plays tough, um, despite whether they're good enough to win the game or not. And so they've played one of the tougher schedules, um, in my opinion, to start the year. And they've never wavered. And they beat a Buffalo team that also had beaten good teams. It's not like Buffalo was cakewalking through the Jets. Buffalo had beaten... Uh, the Rams, who are the defending Super Bowl champs, the defending AFC champs in, in Tennessee, and they stomped them. Like, they they beat the brakes off of them. They were outgained. They were out. Man, like, everything about that Buffalo game, Buffalo, you probably look at the box where you say Buffalo wins the game. But Miami found a way to win. So I felt – I don't feel they're as good as Buffalo. Um, fully healthy, everything, all things considered, I think Buffalo is a better football team. I think Kansas City is a better football team, mainly because of the quarterback position. But what Tua has done and what they have been able to do this far early in the season with Mike McDaniels and that offense and the way they believe, and I could not not put them at four. And it's hard because I'm a big Baltimore guy. I think Baltimore's a great team. Three, four, one, and two. Um, Honestly, right now, this is kind of where I wanted it to be. My one through five, probably nobody's probably getting in that top five, um, barring something crazy, barring a team losing that they just uh, to a team and getting shellacked like they shouldn't. Um, a Chargers kind of downfall I, from I one feel of those like, teams. I feel like that's a that's a one through four is a lock. I think Green Bay and I think so that you, five you, you, you're, you're doing what everybody else does. You're discrediting Green Bay. No, I'm not describing. I'm I'm really not. I just think that that is like if Green Bay loses to like the Lions and it, when they play, I don't know when what Green Bay schedule the rest of it's looking like. You're, but you're making my Bay point loses, for you're making my point for me by saying that. But go ahead. well, I, I I just think and also if the Eagles if the Eagles smoke the Jacksonville Jaguars this week, that's not going to matter to me. Okay, like I already no because I already have the Eagles as a top six team like. They can go beat. I expect every one of those teams, one, two, three, four, and five, to go in and beat Jacksonville. And I'm not, and it's not a knock on Jacksonville. They're playing really well, but they're still Jacksonville. And I don't have them very high yet, as, as high as these guys. So I expect all those teams to go in there and do that. Uh, when I say, like, again, I always say it's not about winning and losing, it's about what it is you're doing. The next four games for the Green Bay Packers 
are the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders. I'm sorry. I yeah, maybe if they lose one of those games, but Aaron Rodgers is not losing those games. I don't, and that defense is not losing those games. And if they do lose, um, I, I still would be interested on how they lost. And maybe it says more about those other teams, but it's going to be extremely difficult. And it's going to take something special for my top five teams right now to probably move over the next four to five weeks. Like I, I Because I am firmly sold that those are the five best teams in football. There's not much... There's not much uh, else that you could tell me or show me that's going to tell me otherwise. I don't think that um, Tampa Bay is going to be able to get there because of their injuries. Um, at this point, they'll still be up there lingering six, seven, eight, just because I know they're good. But yeah. uh, I have to see them, their players come back. Uh, those five top five, I don't care who's in, who's out. If their quarterbacks are on the field, yeah, that. I broke up. I just said if the quarterbacks are on the field, those are probably my top five teams. Miami's probably the Miami's probably the biggest fluctuator because it was unexpected. Well, right? it, it, that's that's where so I, that's where I was going to that's where I was going to go. So Miami is actually what well, we've talked about, like who's been the biggest riser and faller since the beginning of the season and our beginning season power rankings. The Miami Dolphins moved up eleven spots. They are they have been our biggest riser since the beginning of the season. Like they, they're they're now in the top three after being just outside the top twelve uh, before they are they've moved up the biggest because of what we have seen. And I guess that that when we at the beginning of the season we were uncertain of what they were going to do. Like it's just which we don't know what's going to happen. And then they do well, what I they did. do. And then I did. I just didn't trust it. And I still picked them to go 10 and seven. I picked the Dolphins to go 10 and seven and then told everybody the Dolphins are going to be really good. And then I was like, but there's something that I'm just not sure about because the new, new head coach wasn't sure. Do you have the Dolphins schedule? Can you bring that up? Just I, I'm curious because I, it, they're going to go better than 10 and seven with this three and zero start. I, I, I firmly believe that their schedule was not that difficult in the middle part of the season. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and that's going to be huge for them. Like right now, I think they have a legit shot to win that AFC East. So you look after the Bengals this week, who, who knows? That's tough. If they lost this week, honestly, I would not be shocked at Cincinnati uh, Thursday night, short week. That's the game that they're supposed to technically lose. Jets, Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Bears. Easily all, I mean, not easily, but we know all winnable games, all games that they're probably going to be favored in. That's five wins there. Is if say they go four and one in that stretch, you're talking about a, a team now that's seven and two through nine weeks. They and then you still have Cleveland with no Deshaun Watson, Houston, uh, the Patriots, and the Jets again. This team could be a twelve win football team. Yeah, yeah. I was one who had them at nine, and I, I had them at nine and eight. I had them at which, ten and seven, and yeah. I'm thinking they could get to 12, 13 wins now. Obviously, everything goes right, but um, this is going to be exactly like it was last year with the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. This is the, it, this is going to be the exact same thing that happened last year with New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Week 15, probably going to be a snowy mess in Buffalo. Week 15, AFC East coming down to it. Like that's it right there. Like that's what's going to happen. I'm I'm not asking this question legit because I had Buffalo going 14 and three. Yep. I don't know that there's many teams on Buffalo schedule that can beat them. I think the, I think they play the Packers, the chiefs, 
the Ravens. I don't know that any other team, and then the Dolphins again. I don't know that any other team can really beat Buffalo. Barring some bad, bad game like they had against Jacksonville last year or something. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think it's going to come down. It sucks that they don't play the last week of the season. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it comes down like, it's going to be the exact, like, I feel like we're going down in the same in the same path as what, what happened last year with those two teams where it came down to, and I, I have a feeling it's going to be a bad weather game too. It's week 15 in Buffalo. It's going to be windy. It's going to be snowy. It could be what I don't, whatever happened. Like it's going to be a wild one. And we may not even know, we may not even find out who the better team is in that game because of the weather, but it's going to, you know, whoever wins, whoever wins that game is going to be the winner of the AFCs. And we won't even see it. We're going to be at the Jacksonville game that week. Is that a one? There's no way that Buffalo Miami game stays a one o'clock game. If that, if that's a thing. Well, no I way. hope not. I, I hope not. Cause I was like, it's December 18th. That's the week. That's the week we're going, right? That's the week the Jaguars play the, the Cowboys. Yep. That yeah. is, that's the thing. Yeah. What time is this game at? No way. It's it, no. Okay. So they have flexed this game. That game is flex. That is a to be determined game on the schedule. For a time. What, what? what are you talking about? The game between the Dolphins and the Bills, it's a TBD time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that could be a week where they flex that game into Sunday night football. And I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that, that that is what it is. Like, no, there's no way that that game does not. Yeah, get. unless one of I mean, it would have to be something bizarre. Yeah. Just Miami losing five straight or some. Yeah, like yeah, if something crazy goes down, like it, that, that could easily be what happens. But like, as of right now, I'm. It's very nice to see that that schedule is set up the way that is because those two teams can can get it. I think the other. So as of right now, the 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 games that could possibly be flexed into that Sunday night primetime spot. Oh wait, no. Oh. There's no way that stays so right now. They have listed for the Sunday night primetime game for that night is Patriots Raiders. Yeah. But so one thing you have to realize is how the flex scheduling works. So each network gets to protect a game. So it, it, depending on who has the actual double header that week, whether it's Fox or CBS, that plays a huge role in how those games are protected. So don't uh, just because it's to be determined um, doesn't mean that they they can um, they can just steal it. They don't just get to steal the game. They have to actually protect it or pay for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of it's a lot of make the move. NBC money stuff, make TV. the move. Oh, I mean, they have to. That's that's going to be the biggest game of the, the week. Yeah, that, that that is. I mean, the rest but of the you also have like game. Bengals, Tampa, um, that's Brady. You never know. Like if, if yeah. CBS says, no, we're protecting Buffalo, Miami, then NBC takes Tampa team and puts them on. Oh no, that would be, yeah. That puts them on NBC. Um, just anything. You never know. Yeah. I, I would assume based off the way things have normally gone is that that hey. Sunday night, uh, that Sunday night game would be a, would turn into a CBS game. What if Dallas is what if Dallas is, is, is winning only got two losses and Jacksonville's winning and only has They'll put Dallas in a heartbeat on that. On Not NBC. against Jacksonville. Not against Jacksonville. If Jack, if Jacksonville is what well, week 15, say Jacksonville was 11 and four, 11 and three. 
Can you, you imagine, don't think they, can you imagine that game that we go to gets flexed for a primetime spot? Oh, we better get uh, tickets now then. That's the thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. I'll be lit. I'll pay whatever for them. Yeah. Um, well, well, I don't know. Um, they're not going to be that expensive. It's not the Super Bowl. No, but Shad Khan would want your money. That's the thing. Um, so it's a joke. It was a joke. Relax. Pump the brakes. All right. That does it for our power rankings. One through 32. I'll run it back here one more time. Uh, the Bills remain at the top spot. The Chiefs, the Dolphins move up to three. That's a big move right there. The Rams finally get into the top, uh, get back into the top eight. We got the Jaguars getting in at 16. The Cowboys moving up to 13. The Bengals getting back to form and going into the top 10. Finally, uh, the Lions, absolute dogs and getting up to 17. Uh, and then the biggest faller right there, the Saints dropping 10 spots to 18. And of course, the Bears staying in the bottom of the league at 32. The Commanders falling hard to 27. That is our power rankings. Are you frozen or am I frozen here? You're like frozen on a water bottle, Phil. That's amazing. Look at you. Look at you just drinking water. Is it me? That can't be me. I hope it's not me. It better not be me. We'll see. People will comment. People will comment to see if it's me or you that's frozen. It looks like you. I don't have anything coming up. But we're supposed to get into our Thursday night preview. But you look dead. Oh, I'm just, it's me by myself. It's me, myself, and I, that's me. Okay, yeah, so that was our power rankings. There you have it. Again, running back through it. Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins, Ravens, finish out your top eight teams. Let's get into, I'll start this off while Aaron's figuring himself out. Uh, it's our Thursday night preview. It's the Miami Dolphins heading to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals on Thursday night prime time football as of right now the Bengals open up as four point favorites in this game with an over under of 47 points uh Aaron I know you've kind of run through this before normally the home team gets three points the Bengals get four points in this game as favorites is this the is this the Vegas odds saying they are leaning a little bit towards Cincinnati here because they're the home team and because of like they think they could actually win or is there something else to this that we don't know? Like what, what is, what is that like? What is that uh, situation? Well, no, they take into consideration, obviously all factors Two is injury, short week travel. Um, it makes it a prime spot. This is the reason why Thursday night favorites, usually the home team, um, no matter what the circumstances are, unless it's just a huge discrepancy. Um, two good football teams, despite what Miami's done, the Bengals are considered a good football team and they think that they're going to be able to take advantage of that short week at home. I think this game is very close. I, I think this is a game that's that if you pick the Bengals, okay. If you pick the dolphins, okay. But I'm also not really judging, obviously, unless there's something drastic, I'm not really judging either team as, as they come out of this game. If, if Miami goes in here and loses this football game, I'm not going to come out of it. Oh, they were frauds. You know, they, no, it's the, it's a short week. It's tough to prepare for a team after you just played your division opponent on Sunday. Now you have to turn around after that dogfight of a game that we saw people damn near dying on the sidelines because of the humidity uh, to come back and then travel to Cincinnati and play a tough Bengals team on Thursday night. Not giving anybody excuses, but the Dolphins have every right not to really be 100% ready to go in this game um, because it's tough. 
The Bengals, on the other hand, come get a big win against the Jets and now are, are at home and, and get to, you know, be at the own home, home confines and, yeah, have a, maybe have a little bit of an advantage. But um, it's going to be a close game. I expect it to be a, a good game. Two quarterbacks that we're keeping our eyes on. Everybody loves Joey B. Everybody loves Joey B and hates Tua. And I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, you know who I'm rooting for. I love Tua. I love I love what the Dolphins are about. Um, I think, I think Miami, I think Miami's ready, man. I think they're hungry. And I know Mike McDaniels is going to have those guys ready to go. It's an offense that's explosive. There's the revenge game. And I'm not talking a revenge game from, uh, I used to play on this team. It's Tyreek Hill versus Eli Apple. Eli Apple bought him Super Bowl tickets. Tyreek Hill says, oh boy, I'm coming for you. I, I, we need to talk. I need to see you. So, uh, I'm ex- I'm ready for that explosive uh, matchup, and I think if Tua plays, I think I think the Dolphins will will be able to handle business. What are you looking out for most in this game? Can I I I shouldn't even say that. I want to talk about Joe Burrow, and do you think that this offensive line can protect him against Miami? Do you think that this no. it comes down no. to that? No, 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 no. Easy answer. No, can't protect him against anybody. Um, we saw Miami get after uh, Josh Allen. And I'm sorry, Joe Burrow is not Josh Allen. And Miami kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept blitzing and they're forcing you to do things that you don't want to do. And the good thing about Miami, the reason they get to do that is because, yeah, maybe they're going to give up some plays because it happens, but they have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And you can go to to your corners and say, hey, we're going to blitz all night long. Your job is to make sure you stay on your man long enough for us to get home. And with those two guys and then adding a Javon Holland on the back end, um, one of the more underrated defenses in the NFL because they don't have the, the glorious pass rushers that some of these teams have. But on the back end, they're as good as anybody. I, I think this is a perfect matchup for them um, with, because of the matchups of the wide receivers and the, and the defensive backs. And then the poor offensive line play allowed Ogba and Christian Wilkins and Jalen Phillips and those guys who aren't elite pass rushers, but good enough. And then you blitz and you get home. Um, obviously talked about Melvin Ingram, uh, who's been playing out of his mind. It It's the perfect matchup. Yeah, I, I think that I think you, I'm glad you brought up Melvin Ingram. He he's a difference maker on this defense, especially on the defensive line, the pass rush. They are going to get to Joe Burrow. They're going to make it hard for him. Uh, this game is in Cincinnati, though. Maybe the hometown team gets the gets the favor here. But Maybe not to you. Who do you got in this game? Yeah, I'm riding it, man. Uh, if Tua plays, and and I am saying if Tua plays because I do question Teddy Bridgewater's ability to get the ball to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I do. Uh, but if Tua plays, uh, I am t- I'm going to take Miami in this game. I will take Miami to 30, 30 to 23. I will go Miami here, 31-24 Miami. I think this oh, can That was real original. Just add a point to my score on each side. <laughs> Dolphins 76, Bengals 17. That, that a baby. That yeah, a baby. there you go. And, of That's course, the two jabronis that aren't on our show anymore and never send us the scores, even though they know our schedule. Never. They, they, they never. They, it's it's uh, It's – it is great. Uh, it, it is great. But either way, we have the Dolphins winning this game. Both of us have the Dolphins winning this game. Uh, I had a question for you. Before we end this show, we're, we're wrapping things up here. Did you want to do the DFS tonight, today? No. 
Be- oh. Okay, great. Fantastic. Because we, we don't know who's in and who's out. We do Fair it, enough. We do it tomorrow, right, right after the show. Tomorrow, after the show, we will be breaking down the DFS plays for this game. And also tomorrow, we have the AFC game previews for week four. This season better slow down. It's already week four. I don't want it to end. I don't want it to end. It is already week four. Um, But we'll be previewing the AFC AFC home games uh, tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Again, that was our power rankings. If you missed any bit of this show, it'll be available Um, for you on YouTube. Yes, sir. I have a question. Um, I don't know if you noticed this or you knew this, but there's not many AFC games this week. As a matter of fact, there's only four. Great. Tomorrow's going to be a great show. I'm just giving you a heads up. So, so tomorrow's, you're tomorrow's, wait, that means Friday's show is going to be a long ass show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there's no bye weeks this week. There's no bye yeah. weeks. So it's still, yeah. it's, uh, oh my goodness. I'm just telling you, there's only four AFC games. It's the Indy game, it's the Steelers game, Baltimore, and Houston. Oh, I'm, I'm lying. Five, five. Raiders play two. So five. Okay. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll switch it up. Maybe we'll do the road teams, whatever the AFC road teams are. Maybe that'll make it easier. I don't know. We'll we'll figure out. Either way, we're talking AFC tomorrow, uh, live at yes. 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here. What? I know it's stupid. I know. I'm stupid. Everything I do is stupid. <laughs> but I digress. We're still here. Uh, yeah, again, tomorrow, live, 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here on YouTube, at the Sac City Pod. For my best friend, Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city, so don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population, one more.